Last week, I started talking about our mission statement, and, and I kind of got into what it means to be part of this family here. And I explained that our logo, the diamond that we have, is actually, uh, it's, it's a statement of our mission statement, or it's a symbol of our mission statement. So I want to take just a minute to go through that. Do you guys remember the, the mission statement? It should be easy. It's on the screen. Say it with me. Reach up, reach, and reach Okay, so when you're looking at that diamond, and just, just so you have reference for it, um, those three parts of our mission statement are, are exemplified in the diamond. And, and what do I mean by mission statement? What I mean is that as a church, it's our mission that you would, would have these things happen in your life. Okay, this is what we would, we, our mission is to see you uh, doing these things. So the first one is the up arrow in the middle, and that represents reaching up to God as our source. You know, there's so many things you could connect to in life today that, that, that feed you or, or like are the source for your life. And so really our hope is that through get, being part of this family and getting to know Jesus, that God becomes the source of your life, the focus of your life. That every day when you wake up, it's about, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Because you're my focus. All right, so that's what it means to, to reach up. Reaching in is all about discipleship. It's, it's changing from the inside out. And, uh, and so we talk about this kind of stuff all, all the time. Everybody say, I need to change. You know, we all have some area of our life that we probably, you know, know we need to make some adjustments to get lined up with God. And so, so that's the part of being changed on the inside is re reaching in. And if you notice, the diamond on the outside, it, it, it kind of encompasses everything that happens on the inside. And that's reach out. And really, it, it's, the symbol is true, is that everything that happens on the inside, making God your source, having change on the inside, should then result in, in you wanting to reach out to the people around you and let them know how good God is. How many know that we are made to declare the, the, the goodness of God, right? That's what we're made for. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about advancing God's kingdom over these couple weeks. We're talking about reaching out. And uh, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig in a little deeper today into ways that we can be used by God to reach out to other people. So let's bow our heads and pray real quick, and we'll get ready for the word. Father, thank you so much for every person here. God, I pray that as we get into uh, the message today, God, that the words that I share aren't my own words that I put together, but they're your, what you need me to share. God, I pray that you, uh, you speak to our hearts about our lives, about the direction of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And God, that if we need to make a change, I pray you, you kind of... Put that in our heart, and you motivate us to work through that change to become the person that you want us to be, to be used the way you want to use us, God. And so give us ears that hear today, hearts that understand, and minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. So you know this, but because I've been talking about it, but God has, has called us to reach the world. And last week, I used a scripture that I want to use again today. It's in 1 Peter 2.9. I'll read it to you. It says this. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why are you those things? You're those things to God that you may what? That you may what? Declare. Could you declare, declare? Declare. Oh, okay. I know it was a time change, but come on, people. Wake up a little bit. You're the late service. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So to start it off right away, first fill in the blank. We have been chosen by God, you have been chosen by God to declare how good he is. How many know that we serve a good God? Amen. He's so good. But, but why is it important that we declare 
Because there's a lot of people who are like, well, you know, church is for me. My faith is for me. I go. I get what I need. But, but I don't need to be out, you know, telling everybody else about Jesus. That's not, you know, that's the pastor's job. That's not, that's not my job. But, but I disagree. I believe that, that the word is really clear that it says all of us are supposed to be declaring the goodness of God every day in every way that we can. And so why is it so important? Um, I think it's important because the Bible talks about and, and God talks about how it's his desire that everybody in the world would, would know the name of Jesus, would have the opportunity to make Jesus Lord of their life. And, uh, and so I always get a, get a huge kick out of uh, the fact that, that people try to like, pick the day of the end of the world. You, you guys know this? Like, there's all those people who like, read all of Revelation, and they try to speculate on when the day is going to be. Like, this is the day. Like, brandy. Like, like that's a day permanently. And then, of course, the day comes and goes. You guys saw that thing about this week that, you know, that it's the time change. It's the full moon. And Friday is Friday thir- the 13th. Maybe the Lord's coming back on Friday. I don't know. Like, no, he's not, okay? So, so anyway, I get a kick out of it because in those scriptures, it says that it won't happen until everybody in the world has had an opportunity to know Jesus, right? Well, everybody in the world hasn't had an opportunity to know Jesus. And so I, I get a kick out of that, that, that people you know, pick a day with the knowledge that not everybody has, has known about Jesus. That's why it's so important that we go declare that God is good to people. Because it's part of carrying out God's plan. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, the only way that that actually really is going to happen is if you and I get out and declare the good news. That's why we support missions. That's why we're partnered with World Mission. They go to unreached people groups all around the world, and they bring audio Bibles in the native tongue that, that people can, uh, can listen to and get to know Jesus. And, and you guys are doing that every week when you give. We're supporting them, and people keep their change. You guys get those little change boxes at home, and when you fill them up, you bring them in, and that buys a whole audio Bible. I mean, it's amazing uh, how that ministry is happening. That's why um, we're, we're raising money to put churches in India right now. Um, and this is my shameless plug, is that, uh, that, is it next week? Next week we're taking an offering. Um, I, I got it wrong for service. But uh, next week we're taking up an offering, a one-time thing, uh, to raise funds to put churches in India. Um, God's put it on our hearts to do that. And uh, Brother Abraham's going to be here the last Sunday of this month, and we're going to surprise him with the checks for, uh, for that. And uh, so he has no idea it's coming. We've already had thousands of dollars given in just the first week, and we haven't even done the offering yet. But why do we do that? It's because we want people in those places to know the name of Jesus. We want to declare the good news about a good God. Amen? And so, oh, I did want to say this, since we're in this, and I don't have another place to say it, is if you're thinking of giving and you're, for some reason, not going to be here this Sunday or this next Sunday, you can give this Sunday and you can give the Sunday after. But remember, the last one of the month is when he's going to be here. We want to have it all for then. So, uh, so anyway, it's up to us to advance God's kingdom, to reach out, to declare the good news. And I think there's a lot of people in church today and in the world today who go, yeah, that's great, but I just don't know how I can do that. How can I do that, Pastor? What, what part do I play in that? And so that's what we've been talking about, actual ways that you and I can be involved in expanding God's kingdom. And so there's three different ways I wanted to highlight, and last week we talked about giving. Everybody say Giving. You know, giving is one of the specific ways that God says we can advance his kingdom. When we, he, he says it, in fact, I'll read the scripture to you. It's Malachi 3.10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be what in my house? Food. food. So there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this. 
says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that will, there will not be enough room to store it. When he's talking about food in my house, he's not talking about, you know, hamburgers. He's talking about spiritual food. I mean, think about the reason why you come to church. You come because you receive something that builds you up. When you receive that, you're receiving the spiritual food that God's talking about. And that happens in large part because people are willing to give so that we can have a place like this, so that we can support uh, having all of you in this room at the same time. And, and the thing is, like this, giving is all about you and God. It's not about me. It's not about the church. It's not about anything else. It's, it's, it's all about you and God. Let me give you an example, a real-life example. So this week, I um, had the opportunity to go and spend part of a, of a day with some of our church members, a, a husband and wife, who have a business. And, uh, and they were, their, their business is a logging business. Well, not logging, but what they do is they get the logs, and then they have a mill, and they mill them all into boards, and then they, they sell it. And so... We went up to visit these people and, and get to know them a little bit and talk to them. And I remember, I just, you know, obviously remember it was this week. But we pulled into the lot, and I was just blown away by how much wood they had in their, like, stockpile yard of wood to go into the, into the business, into the mill. It, like, it was, it was, to me, it was a huge amount of wood. I mean, row after row after row, like, you know, 300 yards long and 25 feet high of these logs this big. And, and it was, I, I don't know if I've ever seen so much wood stacked in one place. And, uh, and it was just crazy seeing all of, all of how their business runs. I'm going somewhere, I promise. And, uh, and so then we go into the office and we're talking about it. And I, I just kept thinking about how much wood was out there. While we were there, more trucks pulled in and they were offloading more logs. And we were in the office, and another guy came in and knocked on the window and said, hey, do you guys buy logs for the mill? And he's like, yeah, so he had to leave the room for a little while and, and deal with that. And I said to them, I said, you know, do you, you guys have so much wood here. Do you guys ever have to, like, call and try to, you know, purchase wood? And they go, oh, yeah. This is not, this is not normal. They said, this time of year is the hardest time of year for us to get wood. And I'm looking out, you could have fooled me, right? And, and so I said, well, I mean, you guys got a ton right now. It seems like, you know, seems like it's pretty, pretty good. And they said, oh, yeah. Um, last Saturday, there was almost no wood on the lot. And I was like, oh, yeah? And they said, yeah. They said, but Sunday, you talked about tithing. And so we decided Sunday morning that we would tithe. And as we were driving home, we drove past the place, and there were eight huge loads of wood laying there from, without even a call happening. And the wood has not stopped coming in. We have so much wood that we're going to be back. In fact, they said, just based on this alone, they said, we will have the greatest year we've ever had at the mill in the history of the mill. God says, test me in this, right? Listen, Tithing and giving isn't, isn't about, the, it's not about me. I told you, our finances are good. I told you last week that with, that with the India thing, you guys get us over, over the bump and we'll, we'll round up to $15,000. So get to $16,000, Paul, don't, don't get mad at me. Get to $16,000 and we'll go to thirty. okay? That's how good, the, I approve this message. That's how good the, the, the church is doing financially. The money's not about it's not about me. It's about the fact that God wants to unlock so many of his promises in your life. 
And, and if we're not willing to be obedient in this area specifically, he, we're keeping ourselves from experiencing it. And they're just like, apparently tithing works, right? And, and so God is so faithful. But we have to be faithful as well. And so God, God tells us that this is a way that you can advance his kingdom is by, is by giving, is by sowing into the ministry that he's got, and he will provide in, in return to you. So um, the thing about church and about, about church is there's a lot of people who, um, who leave church and say, hey, I don't, I don't, need, I don't need to go to a facility to be saved. And my responsibility is, you're right. You don't. Christianity is not about, you know, being a Christ follower is not about coming to a facility. But I, what I do know is that when you choose to go it alone, it's a very dangerous place to be. And I could, I, I would never, but I've, I could name names of people who five years ago told me that they didn't need to go to a church anymore, that they would do church on their own at home, and they would get more out of it, and they're, they're disenfranchised from, from going to church. And those same people today, five years later, are not believers their lives are a mess, their families are a mess, and all of that. And how do I know that? Because they post it all on social media, right? And so, so it's important that we're part of the house. It's important that we come together, we have a place to call home. People, human beings who don't have a shelter to live in, don't last very long. We can co easily correlate the physical life that we live to the spiritual life that we should be living. And when you don't have shelter, when you don't have a place to relax, you don't have a place to come to where there's other people who are like-minded who will help encourage you, you don't last very long. And so you need to be part of a house. And, I, and so now, everybody, don't worry about in the room, I'm looking at you live stream people. If you've been watching on live stream for weeks and you have never come to the house, next week you need to come to the house. Come and get to know the people who are part of this family, who would call you family if you would come here and be part of our house. You know, one of my favorite video, like, type of social media videos to watch is when um, uh, a military individual comes home, a, a husband or a wife or a mom and dad, and I watch the, the, the meeting on there. Like, I'm hiding my face from my wife, watching a video, crying, you know. She's like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm fine. You know, and, and it's so, like, it just moves you, doesn't it? And I don't know if you've been in that situation where one of your loved ones has come home and it's just so powerful that they're home and it's, there's a feeling that you can't get otherwise. Those same moms and dads or husbands and wives have been on FaceTime or on the computer and they have talked many times and they have seen each other through a screen many times, but physically being together changes everything. So it's important that we come and we're part of a family in one place together. So... Last week I talked about financially contributing, and today I'm going to talk about something else. There's more that is required of people. Now, I know you guys are all here in the seats, but so often, you know, we find reasons to not come and be part of the family, you know. But I want to say this. You're here today, but it's not enough to just show up at the house. You need to be part of the house. Everybody say, I need to be part. It's not enough to show up. You have to actually be participating. You need to be part of the house. What do I mean by being part of the house? Well, uh, I want to talk today for the last little bit here about 
three different stages I think people go through when they're part of a church. And I want to see if you can figure out what stage you're in today. And I want to also see if maybe God will challenge you to move out of the stage you're in and move into the next one. All right. So, so I'm going to just go right into it today. And, and, these, and talk about the stages. The first stage is simply joining the church. Everybody say joining the church. You know, this is obviously when you're newly attending, you're, you're just figuring out if it's a place you want to be. And I want to just encourage you, you need to figure out if this is the family you're supposed to be part of, if this is the church you're supposed to be in. And what, again, what do I mean by that? You need to ask questions. You need to dig in. You need to look into, to, or you need to really evaluate whether or not this is where you're getting fed. God talks about there being food in his house, and every church supplies that food in a little different manner, and you need to decide if this is the place where you need to be. Now, my staff, of course, doesn't love when I say, if this isn't the place you need to be, go find some other place, but that's how I feel about it. And you know that I'm committed to that. I've said many times, and I'm going to say it right now, if you don't feel at home here, come talk to me. There are a bunch of churches in town that I would be happy to, to endorse to you, to, to give you recommendations to. There are some great pastors in, in, in and around our city, and their flavor is just a, a little different. If you, know, if you don't like Superman ice cream, I can't, I can't stop you from wanting to eat different ice cream, right? So if you don't, <laughs> I'm not calling us Superman, okay? I shouldn't have said that one. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is you need to go where you're fed. And I'm not afraid to say that because if every seat in every church in our city was full, there'd still be a whole ton of people who need to know about Jesus. The, the supply is endless around here, around everywhere. So, you know, there's space in this place. And we, need to, we need to be doing our part to advance God's kingdom, to introduce people to Jesus. So anyway, if you do decide to join our family, uh, that'll happen probably Pretty quickly in the first couple weeks or a couple months, you'll, you'll know if this is a place you want to be. Then you quickly move into the next category. So I'll just quickly move into the next category, and that's this. Most church goers, goers fall into the consumer category. Everybody say consumer. <laughs> See, every pastor's worst nightmare is that people would come to his church or their church or her church and become a consumer and never leave the consumer category. Um, and everybody's going to stay in the consumer category to, to an extent, but, but should not be completely in there. Let me explain it this way. Think about your home. How many of you have kids at home or have had kids at home at some point in your life? Raise your hands up. Be proud of your kids. Come on. All right. All right. So, so anyway, we have five kids, and, uh, and so it's busy in our household. And, uh, and I would also like to give a disclaimer. I can turn any message into a hunting story. And so I, like, it's just the way I roll. So when, uh, when I got married uh, to Allison, we, uh, I, we, we shoot, I shoot, she doesn't, she won't shoot a deer. I shoot deer in order to provide sustenance for my family. So if there's any activists here, I'm very sorry, but we use as much as we can of every animal that we harvest, okay? But, uh, but in our house, uh, starting right out, for a year, we, I would usually uh, take two deer, and that would be enough to, for us to make it through the year. Well, then we started having kids, right? And, uh, and, you know, Taco Tuesday, you had to start using more, uh, more ground meat than you did before. And so we went from just one pound of, of ground, uh, ground venison to, uh, to two pounds. And now we have five mouths to feed, and we've got four boys. And so they're starting to eat more. So, so it's going up. And so we need, like, there has to be more provision because my kids 
are consumers. So men, if you want to hunt more, just have more kids. Good reason to go and uh, it works. I got I to gotta get like five now. So, you know, hey, honey, you got to go to the woods. <laughs> it does work, a li- but it doesn't get rid of all the arguing. Um, yeah, yeah. We're going to the marriage conference now. My wife and I were signed up. Um, but man, those kids can consume. It is amazing how they can consume stuff. Anybody here like dill pickles? My kids are diehards for dill pickles. Allison bought two huge things of dill pickles the other day. She literally set them on the counter. We walked out of the room, came back in, and one whole jar was gone. (laughs) And they were reaching for the other jar, and I was like, give me that. I want a pickle. (laughs) They just consume and consume and consume. It's it's amazing how they they can just... They just keep going, you know. We, we're going to need like, like three times the pantry in our house in like a few years because they eat so much. But, uh, but this same kind of thing at church. People consume what the, what the house has to offer, right? And uh, remember the scripture that I mentioned. In Malachi, it talks about there being food in our house. God even uses the same terminology that people would understand, right? That there's... There's food in the house, and it's what sustains you. It's what feeds you, helps you grow. So God uses that terminology. It's not a bad thing for the church to have food for, for you to consume. You know, but really, our culture has really shifted what church looks like and what church means to each individual. You know what it means to be a consumer. Think about it. You, you think about church, and you go, yeah, it's a place where I go where I get built up. Every week I need to go there because it makes me feel better about myself and about my situation. Or you say, like, I love the worship. It just lifts my spirits. And so, so I just, that's, well, don't ever say that's your favorite part of the service because that's not my part of the service. No, <laughs> no, Maybe that is, and that's okay. But you're thinking with a consumer mentality. What do I get out of church, okay? But this is not what the Bible said church was supposed to look like. That is not the point of church. Though Western culture has made church all about me and what I get out of it, that's not what, that's not what the Word says about church. So I want to read what Paul, the Apostle Paul, says church was really supposed to look like. It's in Ephesians 2.19. He says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. He's talking about people who were in the joining stage of the family of God and now are beyond that stage and they're, they're consumers, okay? He says, but fellow citizens, you're, you're no longer strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of this what? Household. household. I love that Paul uses the same terminology that I'm using in this, this series, God's house, right? We're all family members in God's house. Verse 20, it, the house is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises. Everybody say it rises. Everybody put your hands together. This is the church. This is the steeple. And everybody goes, it rises. And, and, and everybody, you know what? Stand up as you say it rises. Everybody, here we go. One, two, three, stand up. It rises. We're going to do this again. Put your hands together like this right now. 
On three, we're going to say it rises. I want everybody to rise out of their seats. And if not, if, if everybody, unless you're not able-bodied, if you refuse to do this, we will do it again. Everybody, <laughs> on three, it rises. One, two, three, it rises. Are we, really? Are we going to have to do this again in the middle? <laughs> we're going to do it one more time. We're going to do it one more time. I'm going to make you do it. Hands together, everybody. Hands together. Oh, we already got people standing up. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, it rises. Come on. Oh, yeah. All right, we got you going. When I think about it in that context, I think about rising to the occasion, right? You think of like those movies where it gets you, you get you emotional when there's an obstacle in front of people or there's an occasion that they, that, that's, that's an obstacle or something they got to fight through and you see the main character rise to the occasion and go through that. So then it gets me thinking, when that scripture says that, that the church comes together, together they rise, I think of what's our occasion? What is it that we need to rise to? Well, I know, in part, there's a whole bunch of people in our city who don't know about Jesus, who are lost, who are dying, who are scared, who are sad, who are struggling. Maybe it's time for us to rise together to the occasion and reach those people. You know, God put it on our heart to put some churches in India. And together, next week, I totally believe we're going to rise to the occasion and provide for that. What is God calling you to do to help together the church rise to the occasion? You're important. You matter. The church should be a place where you come and you plug in and you contribute in a way to help us rise to the occasion. You know, the problem is, is that in today's church culture, in today's culture, church has become about what I get out of it. I didn't like that song. I love that song. This is my church. This is my chair. You know, there's people, you're sitting in somebody's chair right now. And there's somebody sitting across the room like, I cannot believe they took my chair. I sit in that chair every single week. <laughs> Hopefully they can do some forgiveness and let bitterness go. But they're burning lasers in the back of your head right now, sitting in your chair. It's all about me. It's all about what I get of it. And this is the scary thing when we have that mentality, when we have the consumer mentality of church and it's all about what I get out of it. The scary thing is, is, is the one day that you don't get something out of it, you begin to walk away from the house. The one day where you go, man, none of those songs were the songs that I like, you begin to disconnect from the family. That message is not one that I could relate to. You begin to disconnect from the family. And being outside of the house of God and outside of the family is a dangerous place to be. That's not, that's not how we should look at church. It's not about what I get out of it. I want to read you the scripture in Acts 2 that really is the definition of what the family of God and what the church should look like. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you need to write down Acts 2, 42, and you need to read it. In fact, I want to challenge you to read it every morning this week and ask yourself, am I an example of Acts 2, 42, or does my life look different than that? Because if it looks different, then you might just be a consumer. But if it looks like this, it means that you're something different. Acts 2.42 says this. It says, 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Everybody say devoted. It means they committed themselves completely. It means they made it the full priority of their life. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, the fe to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I could teach a whole series on that scripture. We just repeat that scripture every, every service and not even put any other scripture in there, and it would, it would be food to our hearts about how we live. Because they're fully committed to the apostles' teaching, which, by the way, guys, is what we can call the Word of God, because those apostles are the ones that wrote the New Testament. They were inspired by God to write it, and they were inspired by God to teach it here at that time. So they devoted themselves to God's Word. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to being together, to actually physically coming together like a family. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread. So you might think, you know, to eating together, which is good, fellowship, but, but maybe... Maybe there's a deeper meaning to that about breaking of bread being the food that's in God's house, together partaking of the food that God has and, and, and the spiritual growth that he has, and to prayer, to spending time focused on communicating together with God. Verse 43, everyone was uh, filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Listen to this, verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, that's really not the way our culture is today, isn't it? I mean, the thought, like, that's so foreign, the thought of selling our stuff so that other people could have. Verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Guys, that is them coming together and rising together. Let me say this really plainly. It's this. Church is supposed to be a place to contribute to what God is doing. Think about my example of living at home or have, you know, having a home with kids who consume. You were a kid once, you consume. And you consume and you consume and you consume. But, but suddenly as you grew and you matured, you went, you shifted from being a consumer in the house. And when you got your own house, you became a contributor to that house. It became less important how much you consumed out of the refrigerator, and it became more important how much you provided for the refrigerator, right? Like, let me, let me, let me make this statement again, because I think people were still writing and not really catching what I was trying to say. At some point in your life, in this human, this fleshly life, you will switch from your importance would be consuming to your, the importance of your life being contributing. People who consume... And consume and consume, often they're very depressed and they, they feel like they lack everything. They feel like they need more. They feel like they're never good enough, that they never have enough. They always need more. People who contribute, when they bring their contribution to the home or to the family or to their life, there is a sense of fulfillment there. It feels good to contribute. It feels good to have your bank account, when you have your direct deposit show up in your bank account every, every week or every month. You're like, yeah, there it is, right? It's fulfilling because you contributed. If you are a believer and you feel like, you feel, you feel empty, you feel like you're not going anywhere, maybe it's because you're stuck in the consumer's place. And the real fulfillment's going to come when you step into being a contributor for God's house. 
I think the question you have to ask yourself is, am I invested? Am I devoted to, to being part of the family of God? To seeing God's kingdom come and his will be done? And, and, and I want to just say this too. The church, God, the way that God put the church together was, was not that it would be a place where you just come and get. It would, be, it would be the place for you to go and be sent out to change the world. To go and become a contributor. That's what all these people were doing. That's what we read about all the churches in the New Testament is that they, were, they came together to be sent out to make a difference for God. And so we have to change, we have to change the mentality. I know you're probably, there's a lot of people who are like, well, you know, I'm just going to go find an organization. I'm going to help serve them outside the church. And, you know, the church has lots of people there. I'm sure they have lots of people that help work. So I'm going to go find somebody. So a couple weeks later, I'll be like, hey, did you find a place to serve? And they're like, well, you know, not yet. And I, I've tried a few places, just not for me. So a couple weeks later, I ask, hey, did you find a place? Oh, no, not, not yet. And so a couple weeks later, we don't ask because we don't want to be those guys that just keep poking you and prodding you about it. Guys, you've got an opportunity right here in this place to use your gifts and your abilities, your talents, the things God has given you to expand God's kingdom. You're looking for actual ways. You don't know the way on your own. Be part of the church and help us rise to the occasion to help God's kingdom come and his will be done in big rapids as it is in heaven, right? Let's bow our heads. Before we pray, with everybody's eyes closed, I want to just say this. We know that God's greatest calling on our life as a church and as, in, as individuals is that we would advance his kingdom, that we would expand the borders of his family, that we would help people to have an introduction to Jesus that changes and rearranges their life. Together we can do this. You're valuable. You're valuable with God's plan. You're valuable as part of this family. We need each other. So if you're here today and you know, you know that you haven't really tapped into being used by God and you know that, that God's poking at you right now to say, I want to use you. I've got plans for you. I've got destiny for you. Maybe today is the day you to take that step and say, okay, God, okay, I want to help expand your kingdom. Use me. Choose me. Send me. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. God, we know that you love each one of us so deeply and so dearly that you sent Jesus for us and that Jesus was willing to take, take everything that, that holds us back to the cross so that we can live the life that you have for us. We all have access to that. And we praise you and we thank you for that. Today I pray you're speaking to people's hearts about change. About moving out of just being a consumer of the house to really st stepping into being a contributor. And how that looks, God, only you know. But God, I pray that you'll open the doors of opportunity and help people to know that there's, there's opportunity here to help us together to advance your kingdom. God, I pray that you motivate people, you encourage us through the change, because change is not easy. And God, help us to, to experience that fulfillment that you supply to us when we become a contributor to your kingdom. With everybody's eyes closed, 
If you're here today and you've not made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do that. And I know I didn't really talk about it in the service today, but you're here, you're at church, you know why you're here. It's probably because you feel like something's missing or you're looking for direction in your life or you need hope. You need a cause to live for. Or maybe you're scared about death and about what eternity looks like for you. All of those things can be answered. All of those things can be fulfilled in your life if you choose today to make Jesus Lord. And you can begin walking in God's direction. You can begin experiencing, experiencing his love and his direction, his fulfillment in your life today. So if that's you, and you're here, you know you want that. With everybody's eyes closed, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody who knows they need that? Okay. Okay, I see those hands. If you've raised your hand, would you look up here at me real quick? Just make eye contact with me. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Could I ask you to do something? Just would, would you be willing, with everybody's eyes closed, to just come up here? I want to pray with you. Just meet, would you come and just meet me up front? Awesome. All right. Come on. Awesome. You can just come right up here. So we're going to say a prayer together, the whole church. And, uh, and this prayer is one where you declare that Jesus is Lord of your life, where you make the decision to say yes to God. And I'd like to tell you that instant, instantly everything is going to change. You're going to walk out of here and not have any struggles. But the fact of the matter is, is God is here to help you walk through those things because those things happen. But it's your choice today to say after this, to say, I'm going to take a step in God's direction every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about his word. I'm going to read his word. And I'm going to just trust him and step every, every day in his direction. And you just watch. God will change the direction of your life. He will rearrange your heart in a way that, that is going to bring fulfillment and direction that you've never, you've never experienced before. So well, we're going to pray together. And this is you declaring that, that Jesus is Lord. And then actually, I'd like you to go with me. We're just going to walk out and, and, and talk right outside the doors about this decision together. Okay? All right, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Everybody, let's pray together. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you for forgiveness. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I choose to live for you from this day on. I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live your way. So lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome.